0: Radio for Friday, August 15, 2014. This week, episode 336 comes to you from IEQ Radio's Studio C in McKees Rocks, Pennsylvania. Our IEQ Radio engineer, Jessica Lawson, is at the controls in the IEQ Radio, IEQ Training Institute World Headquarters in Central City, Pennsylvania. My name is Chris Blotnick, the Z-Man, and I'll be flying solo today. Because Radio Joe used in the field on a consulting assignment. Today's segments include an interview with Scott Stamper, RIA president, uh, to discuss the settlement with Thermapure and the Roundup. Before we start our interview, let's take 20 seconds to thank our marquee sponsors
1: John Don Products, where restoration and abatement contractors shop. Visit them at JohnDon.com. Indoor Environment Connections, the
2: newspaper for the IAQ industry. Subscriptions and advertising information are available at ieconnections.com. Clean Facts and Cleaning and Maintenance Management Magazine, your source for cleaning and maintenance news. Visit them at clean, dot com and cmmonline.com. Please be sure to thank our sponsors for their support of IEQ Radio when you inquire about their services and products.
0: You can download the show by going to our website, www.iaqradio.com, and following the link that says go to the show. The show is also available from iTunes. Don't forget, you can get ABIH-CM points, IICRC continuing education credits, or ACAC renewal credits, by emailing Joe and requesting the quiz. Joe's email is joe.use at iaqtraining.com. Last but not least, please visit the IAQ Radio Training website for the most current dates for the training you trust at iaqtraining.com. win a cool prize by out-competing fellow IAQ Radio listeners and being the first person to correctly answer the IAQ Radio trivia question each week. Submitting your answer is easy. Email it to cslotnickappcs.com, or if you're listening to the show live via your computer, you can text in your answer. Congratulations. Doug Conan, AeroTech Environmental in Dayton, Ohio, for being first with the answer 1894 as the year that Ashray was founded. The IEQ Radio Trivia question for Friday, August 15, 2014, has been sponsored by Triska, the Tri-State Restorers and Specialty Cleaners Association, who have been serving the needs of and advocating for their members for well over thirty years. Triska is your link to industry training, certification, standards, and events. Check out their website, www.trsca.org. And hopefully we'll see you next week at the Combination IQ Summit and Triska event, which will be held at Seven Springs. Now for this week's trivia question. Today's three-part question concerns patent law. In what year was the first U.S. patent granted, which U.S. president signed it, and who was it granted to. Today's guest is Scott Stamper, who is the current president of RIA, the Restoration Industry Association, having been elected in April of this year. He has been involved in RIA since 2008, when he was selected to be a member of the Restoration Council. Since then, Scott has served as chairman of the council, a member of the board of directors, first vice president of the board and now president. Scott is also the president of Regency DKI, his restoration company, which includes three locations across the eastern United States, Michigan, Florida, and North Carolina. He's been involved with restoration for over 15 years and comes from a background in construction. His company is the proud recipient of the RIA 2012 Phoenix Award honoring their efforts as part of the integrated team for the remediation and restoration of the Detroit Metropolitan Airport Air Traffic Control Tower. I think we have some intro music for Scott. I'm going to sue, sue, yes I'm going to sue, 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 yeah that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to sue, sue, yes I'm going to sue,
1: sue, sue, yeah I might even sue you. Oh.
0: thought <laughs> that... Weird Al Yankovic Al suya was uh, good intro music for today's show. Scott can you hear us?
3: Thank you Cliff uh, very interesting music but I'm glad that uh, we have put this one behind us
0: very so, really okay.
3: excited about everything and but the Sue music uh, uh, for now for RIA is uh, been put to bed
0: well thank you for joining us. We're glad to have you. Uh, some of our listeners are probably very very intimately familiar with the situation may not be. Uh, can you just summarize the just the history of the, of the legal problem for us?
3: Sure. Um, two years ago, approximately in uh, I believe it was 2012, at the RIA conference in um, where was it Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. The meet during the meeting, an impromptu. Uh, a group of individuals held it impromptu um, outside of our regularly scheduled meetings uh, um, gathering. And that gathering uh, focused on the fact, the fear that these companies, and there was approximately 250-plus member companies involved here. Their fear was that many of them were receiving um, patent infringement subpoenas and very, very concerned that a company by the name of Thermopure, um was potentially going to be uh, bringing suit against them and, uh, you know, even defending or preparing the items for the subpoena is costly, let alone trying to defend a lawsuit. Many of these companies are, are small. They were family-owned businesses. And quite a few up to that point had declared bankruptcy. So... Out of this meeting, there was a call for the board of directors to to do something about it, to, to get involved. Um, then, President Sam Bergman had the um, had the uh, idea and the uh, and the uh, good, you know, uh, good foresight to. Uh, to appoint a committee for the uh, lawsuits or for the, uh, he called it the legal committee. Uh, that legal committee was to investigate uh, things we could do um, on behalf of the members of their advocate in the Philippeer situation. In addition, also, you know, work on regulatory issues with the state and federal governments. So, I mean, this was a, it was a lot of things happening all at once there in 2012. Um, A lot of meetings went through the summer of that year, and it was eventually decided by the board that the RIA would bring suit against uh, Thermal Pure and David Hedman to attempt to invalidate uh, the patents which our members were being uh, subpoenaed and sued on for infringement. Okay, so would it be fair to say that
0: this... You know, the idea to get involved with this litigation was not the board of directors, that the idea uh, came from the members, that they actually asked you to do something.
3: That is exactly correct. The The tone of the board of directors or the feeling from the board of directors was very mixed. You had, you know, many directors that felt that, you know, this wasn't necessarily a fight that uh, the RIA should fight. But, again, the constant, um, you know, calls from the membership, I think, swayed just about everybody's opinion when it finally came down to the vote. Uh, because, uh, you know, we really felt, or our members felt, there was a very big threat to their, uh, you know, the way they make their livings.
0: Okay. All right, so... Um... RIA decides to insert itself into this uh, into this litigation, and I mean, what did RIA expect to get? I mean, did you expect to get money? Uh, you know, at, at the end of this thing, you know, what is revoking the patent? Well, let me
3: you know bring back to the beginning with our you know the legal committee and. What the board of directors, and, and sometimes you know, we all have to remind ourselves, you know, what the intent was when we started this uh, this process. And the intent was, and the goal was, to re- achieve a result that provided some type of protection or clarification for our members. That was our ultimate goal. While going through this, we felt that the only way to achieve that was going to uh, filing suit for invalidation of the patent but during the entire time while this was going on we always hoped that we would be able to somehow um settle this this uh, issue uh, um, with uh, with protection as you know uh, lawsuits are very costly and uh, outcomes with judges are not always uh, um you know guaranteed so again the Goal of our board of directors, you know, approving this suit to be filed, was to provide some type of protection and clarification for our members.
0: Okay. What does RIL or RILF stand for?
3: That was a name that was come up. It's called the uh, Restoration Industry Legal Fund. The intent of the the RILF was to allow RIA to um, go out to the industry and um, – Collect uh, legal, uh, or should I say, donations for not only the potential of, you know, this current thermal pure issue um, that was going on at the time, but uh, you know, potentially anything else that you know may require the attention um, uh, of the RIA as called for by its members.
0: Okay. Since when is RIA concerned about industry best interests? And does RIA see itself as a defender of the industry?
3: I think sometimes we all wish we could defend the industry we all love and uh, work so hard in. But the fact is, the RIA is an advocate for our members. Uh, we would only have taken this issue on if uh, uh, because our members called for it. Uh, if they did not call for it, we would not have been involved in this. Unfortunately. We cannot protect the entire industry, but we do advocate for our members on a day-to-day basis.
0: Okay. Can you cite any other examples of RIA trying to do the right things?
3: You know, I think that this was probably a first when it comes to uh, getting involved um, to this depth in, in a legal issue. But every single day, we are, you know, monitoring, you know, different actions in states and trying to provide information to our members. And as we, as we refocus and as we grow, one of the main, one of the main objectives coming up is to provide, you know, further information to our, uh, to our members. and You know, provide clarity on state and uh, local and federal regulation. You know, uh, we are truly working to provide. Benefits that our members can, uh, you know, can uh, uh, you know, at the end of the day, you know, they understand what they're getting from us, and they come to expect it.
0: All right, let's 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 take the opposite position. If an RIA member developed and patented a product, and the product product was patented by other products, you know, would RIA defend its members' patent?
3: I think this is a uh, good question, Cliff. Um, the as an advocate for our members, I can't see that one individual member's uh, issues with patent infringement would be a um, would be a call to the uh, association for uh, would be would justify a call from the association to uh, you know to start uh, fighting on their behalf. I think that the only reason we are involved in this patent uh, issue is because of the enormous um, the enormous amount of people that were uh, demanding that, you know, RIA fight for its members, and I I just look at the things as too different.
0: Okay. Agreed. That's fair enough. You know, some critics opine that this wasn't RIA's fight, and RIA was poking its nose into the free market. How would you respond to that?
3: I think free market is you know something that uh, you know we all have to be cognizant of as we are you know operating um, our day-to-day businesses. I think that uh, there are patents in this world, and I think that we all need to to make sure that we are operating uh, within within the the rules of the game here. The issue is is that the RIA felt that um, you know we needed to get involved in this. We needed to provide our members. Some way to operate and remove the unknown. Um, by removing the unknown, the the RIA membership can operate their businesses, and they can know where that line is. Where is the line that they are operating within, um, within, within the infringement or, or not infringing, and then where you cross that line. And uh, I think we're very successful with it. Okay.
0: Would you mind commenting on how much RIA? Spent or invested in this litigation.
3: Well, because the because the uh, the numbers will be public knowledge. Um, you know, we're still tallying everything, but it is going to be north of a half million dollars. Mm-hmm. In legal fees.
0: Gotcha. And do you have any idea how much it would have cost had we had the association decided to go the whole way for you know full blown to revoke the patent?
3: Our original estimates were between 1 million and 1.2 million. Um, but again, I think we were probably a little, you know, we were within rough budget numbers of expectations at the point we settled. Um, but, you know, that didn't include, you know, if there was, uh, if we were to, you know, win and it was, uh, um, you know, it was appealed or we had to appeal. So I think the 1.2, uh, Guesstimate was just up and through to the original, you know, trial, which was this, which was, I believe, uh, scheduled in December of this year.
0: How would you describe RIA's litigation strategy?
3: Ooh,
0: um, I think we are, you know, we were very aggressive.
3: Um, the, the, um, you know, we had a very um, competent opponent in, in this in this. Uh, 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 you know, issue in this lawsuit. I think that, um, you know, the part of the, uh, with anybody who's being sued, I think uh, trying to drive up the cost for a, uh, for the plaintiff is, you know, part of, uh, you know, part of the game, so to speak. Um, you know, we we spent a lot of money, and I, I guess in, I was a little naive in the fact that patents are um, in patent lawsuits as expensive as they are. When I saw my first legal bill for this thing uh, for a month, and it was $100,000, I just, like, you know, it shocked me. But there is a lot of hours that are required to do all of the research that's required on these things. And, um, you know, it was a very interesting learning process, but I am glad that uh, I'm very happy and pleased we didn't have to see it all the way through.
0: Um. Why did RIA decide to settle this? I mean, you know, it, it seemed to me that you were doing pretty well in the uh, in the lawsuit.
3: Well, I can tell you this much: up until up until David Hedman and I sat down and um, had about a two and a half hour discussion with the mediator. I didn't think it could ever be settled and neither did anybody on the RAA board of directors or I believe most people who ever touched this or learned anything about this felt the same way. We had uh, met prior to the uh, court mandated mediation and we had discussed some, you know, potential parameters with the legal committee and the executive board and, um, which included some pretty smart people. So we went in, and uh, David and I sat down, and we were able to, uh, to hammer this out. I think that, uh, you know, what I was told from, um, from the other side, which was pretty exciting, is that, uh, you know, when we were discussing things, uh, something resonated in, uh, in, uh, in Thermal Peer's head, and that was, you know, removing the fear, the fear that existed with RA members, and, uh, you know, providing some increased professionalism in uh, what we do day to day.
0: Well, if you had to describe the settlement, would you say that the settlement was a sellout or would you say that the settlement was a victory for both RIA and its members?
3: I think anytime there's a settlement, um, there is uh, both sides. If, if it's done correctly, both sides should be, uh, you know, feeling like that. Maybe they should have gotten or could have gotten some more. This was absolutely a win for LIA. Um, we came out of this agreement with um, a clear path on a way to develop our recommended practices to operate within this uh, within this settlement. Um, we came out with. Uh, Again, there's a roadmap. There is a way for members to operate their businesses with a a clear line when they would be infringing upon this patent. Again, this is only for RIA members, and this is a settlement uh, for RIA members. You know, I would strongly suggest that anyone who is not in the RIA who is uh, concerned about uh, the potential of uh you know, action being brought against them to A, talk to uh here about potential licensing or join the RIA. Um the RIA uh has um significantly reduced the the fear um you know after this mediation this settlement.
0: Okay, we talked about the settlement being north of the half a million dollars. Yeah that's a lot of money RIA's you know, I would say a moderate size association. You know, uh, over a thousand members. Would you say the money that was expended in the settlement was, a, or, or to achieve the settlement, was a good investment for RIA?
3: Yes, it was. I think for the first time um, that, in, in, well, in my knowledge. Um, um, Cliff, uh, you've been around longer than I have, but uh, I, I can't remember a time when, when a, a group of individuals stood up for themselves and said, "You know, this is not right." Particularly in the restoration industry, it happens a lot in other associations and in other industries, but never on the uh, the restoration industry. We've always we've always kind of uh, you know been pushed this way or pushed that way, depending on you know what the powers be. Um, uh, decide that's going to happen with us. So I think we, we we put our foot down. We decided that you know this was not right for our membership, and because we did this because our members our members called for it, you know we acted as uh, you know an advocate, and you know we see ourselves as an advocate for our members. So it was definitely uh, you know worth the money. I wish it was uh, 25000 Yes, 100%. But, uh, you know, it took what it took, and, you know, we are, uh, you know, I think the RIA and its members are better for it.
0: Okay. Did RIA receive financial support and or other assistance from any other groups or organizations?
3: We, The RIA received its support from its members, um, and there's different classifications and members, but everyone who gave money was, uh, uh, was somehow a member of, of the association. I will be honest, I reached out to several other associations and, and other entities to ask for their help. Um, but at the end, they felt, and most people felt outside the RA, that this was not their, not their fight. And, uh, you know, we did not receive the support we anticipated we were going to receive from some of the other organizations.
0: Well, I guess it's a follow-up connection or question to that. From your vantage point, who would you say would be at greatest greatest risk of being sued by Thermopure?
3: If you're a if you're a non-RA member or a, an organization that um, uh, you know promotes uh, you know things that are, uh, are infringe on this patent, I would suggest you really look at this patent and, uh, you know, talk to Thermal Pure, talk to your attorneys, and, you know, join RIA. It is a, um, what we have done does not bind anybody else in this industry. Um, this is the magic number. If you're outside of RIA, you have no magic number. Um you remember, this patent calls for an increase in temperature. It doesn't say what that temperature is. It says that it has to kill an organism. It doesn't say what organism that is. So we've really brought some clarity to the, uh, you know, for our members. And, you know, I think I would be scared. I, I, I really would be. I, I'd think twice, um, uh, you know, and I'd really look at that that membership in RIA uh, and or, you know, checking with Cure uh, or your patent attorneys.
0: Um, how, it, it, you know, in in this settlement, how much money did RIA pay Thermapure in order to settle the lawsuit?
3: Nothing. And that's been a, a big misconception here. Uh, I've had emails and questions. How much did you have to pay to get out of this? You know, we, we went into the mediation and uh, um, with a very clear uh, set of guidelines. And that was that, we weren't going to pay any money. We didn't think we should pay any money. Uh, this was about, uh, um, you know, coming to the meeting of the mines, not uh, uh, expending money. So no, RAA spent no money, paid nothing uh, uh, for this, um, except for obviously a lot of attorneys' fees. But we spent nothing or paid nothing to them up here.
0: Right. Um, in terms of some of the legal costs that some of the people had. Uh, keep, I mean, was there an average cost in uh, responding to subpoena, for instance?
3: I've heard estimates from different contractors and uh, others who've received subpoenas. And uh, from the the people that I've talked to, from answering a general subpoena which could which, for example, let's say it included um, you know job records for the last seven years, um, attorney's costs were running, you know, $20,000 plus, but the internal cost of putting all these records together really couldn't get a good gauge on that. So um, I think that the disruption within the business, the fact of this hanging over your head, the attorney's fees, you know, easily, I'm thinking $20,000, 50000 and I know some of the people that actually went to suit uh, were, you know, well north of
0: 250000 Um... Was RIA pressured to settle with Thermapure by the members?
3: No, I, I didn't feel that. Uh, at least from the board level, that we were pressured into a settlement. I think that, you know, we were very um, when we started this issue, we were very clear. That we were looking to uh, bring some type of member protection and clarity, and I think we kept that in front of us and uh, you know keeping that in mind, it was much easier to to come to a, a meeting of the minds with them up here because it wasn't about destroying one entity or you know removing some uh, somebody else's way of business it was to provide clarity and protection and by keeping that Um, you know, top of mind during this entire process, I think uh, um, uh, there was no pressure. If there was any pressure, obviously, not everybody likes to give money all the time. Uh, And uh, um, that being said, we were, you know, raising donations. We're still short of our donation totals, but, uh, um, you know, we're confident that the RAA membership, um, you know, understands what we've done and uh, will continue to support it.
0: You know, since the settlement, have any groups or associations reached out to RIA? You know, since the settlement, and uh, you know, congratulated you, and or you know, wanted to somehow partner or affiliate or make some sort of offers to RIA.
3: Interesting, you asked the question, Cliff. Um, you know, we have had a lot of interest. There's been a lot of phone calls from people that have not been members. You know, individual companies and uh, groups of uh, contractors that uh, that that really you know feel the uh, understand the benefit of this, and we've had a lot of interest, and we're currently in uh, uh, you know negotiations with working out uh, stuff that we can bring additional members on through this through this. Uh, but I think the the biggest misconception out there is that because RAA settled that we're going to be able to protect or bring in. Uh, you know other groups or other associations I think that's not really what the what the uh, um, what we were going for in this I think the uh, the the settlement was for member driven you know members to come in current members uh, members when they come in and uh, to be protected when they become members in good standing and I think that um, that because of that we are um, we are sitting here uh I don't want to say in the driver's seat, but we're sitting here, you know, comfortable that we have done what we have done um, has benefited us. And a lot of other organizations that did not support us um, are now saying, oh, well, maybe we should have. So it's interesting. We'll see how it shakes out as we go forward. But I, I don't think there's any way within our current settlement that we can protect another organization.
0: I've got, I guess, uh, one other question before we go to, uh, you know, before we go to our halftime break. Um, do you have any idea what types of settlement fees were paid to Thermapure by, you know, different groups, individuals, contractors, organizations, uh, you know, franchisors, etc.? Any, any take on that?
3: No, and you know, I would be. I would be guessing if I did, I mean, obviously, you know, we've both heard rumors on certain types of settlements, but you know, that's purely, you know, hearsay in my mind, and I don't have anything in front of me that really shows those numbers. You know, I think that, um, again, this settlement, um, for the RA membership, uh, really takes away so many items in this patent that, uh, um, that we just don't have to worry about. And, um, The the settlement offers us some really clear protection on operating within our industry.
0: Okay. Thank you. Uh, Just hang on. We're going to take a couple of, uh, about a one minute break, and, and then we'll be back.
3: Thanks, Liz.
1: Thanks to our association
2: sponsors, the Indoor Air Quality Association, IAQA, a nonprofit multidisciplinary organization dedicated to promoting the exchange of indoor environmental information through education and research. Visit them at www.iaqa.org.
1: And thanks to our advertisers, Gray Wolf Sensing Solutions, who use advanced sensor software technology and embedded computers to provide superior environmental test instrumentation. Visit them at wolfsense.com. Legends Environmental
2: Insurance Services, the experts in insurance for environmental consultants and contractors for over 20 years. Learn about them at legends-enviro.com. And, of course, our marquee sponsors.
1: John Don Products, where restoration and abatement contractors shop. Visit them at www.johndon.com. Clean Facts and Cleaning and Maintenance Management Magazine, your source
2: for cleaning and maintenance news. Visit them at clean, C-L-E-A-N-F-A-X.com and cmmonline.com. Please be sure to thank our sponsors for their support of IEQ Radio when you inquire about their services and products.
0: Okay. Uh, we're back to our interview uh, with Scott Stamper discussing the RIA Thermapure litigation uh, settlement. Scott, because you were, the, I guess, the one person that spent the most time mono-a-mono, man-on-man, with David Hedman. Uh, you had said earlier that he was a very competent uh, opponent. Um, is he knowledgeable about, you know, the subject matter? Would you say that?
3: Yeah, I really, you know, in the in the time that I that I was able to sit down uh, during the mediation with. Uh, uh, David Edmond, um, I was I was impressed. I, it, it, Cliff, it, it was not easy for me. I had never met David prior to, to sitting down with him at a table, and as you can as you can imagine, it's not really the most ideal way to uh, chit chat and uh, you know get to know somebody. And it was funny because I told him when we sat down, I said, you know, well, first of all, I'm, I'm glad I'm not looking at a person with one eye and two horns, um, because. From our side, from the RAA side, and from a lot of individuals that were really, really, you know, felt, uh, you know, destroyed by, uh, you know, by his company and David, you know, I, you know, I really felt that, uh, uh, you know, he was, he was a human being looking to do what, uh, you know, he thought was, you know, best for his patent and uh, his way of life. And sitting down with him, I, you know, again, I had to get to that point very quickly to look at this individual as a um, as a a competent person that, uh, uh, and try to figure out some way we could come to a win win.
0: You know, does he believe? I mean, do you honestly believe that? Is he passionate about this stuff?
3: Totally passionate about it. I mean, uh, one of the first things in trying to get to know him a little better, I asked him you know, what drove him to, um, you know, to come up with this and and file for this patent. And very emotionally he told me about family members that, uh, you know, became extremely sick with the uh, uh, doing pasteurization or sanitization of structures with chemicals. And he was, uh, you know, driven by that fact that he thought he could do it in a different manner. And, you know, thus coming up with the Patent 812 to, um, for a process to achieve those results without, uh, you know, without the chemicals.
0: Uh, In the first half of the interview, I think that you dropped the statistic, and I'm not sure that I wrote it down correctly, so I would like to just go over that again. You know, in this meeting that was held, I think, in 2012, did you say that something like 50 RIA members had received these subpoenas? That was
3: the number that, you know, I was told. Uh, Again, I don't have an exact number. All I know is that, you know, this was really driven by a group of individuals that, uh, uh, that felt they were, um, subpoenaed and brought into this, into this because, uh, without ever what they called, you know, whether they did or not, I'm not a judge or a jury and I'm not privy to the settlement, but I can tell you that these individuals were confident that they did not infringe upon this patent. And the fear was that without some type of clarity, you know, what is it that we are technically infringing on? If you read the patent, it is very, uh, it's up for a lot of interpretation. So, um, you know, again, 50 was the number that I had heard. Maybe it was 25, uh, the you know but we did have the two cases going on in uh in uh, Washington where we had two individuals that were spending hundreds of thousands of dollars uh, we had some people in Chicago and some other areas that you know were basically um either pay up or or, or we're going to sue and i think uh you know David and I talked about that when we were there, and he you know uh, he, he came to the uh, uh opinion that just as I did is that maybe there's a better way we can do this working together in RIA and uh um you know to get his product to the market you know without um you know what I termed as a strong arm tactic uh you know we giggled it off, but you know again, i think as a, in, as you said earlier in a free market, you know a solid product's gonna win. And, um, I think that, uh, you know, there is a viable product there. There is a patent that exists on it. And for RIA members, you know, we can pretty much do what we need to do up to 105 degrees, uh, throughout an entire structure. Um, but the, uh, you know, after that, you know, we're, we've, we've stated as part of our settlement that, uh, you know, this is a, uh, this is a patent issue. And, uh, you know, you need to call, contact Thermal Pure, um, if, or, or, you know, uh, your patent attorney, um, but we're recommending you call Thermapure. Okay.
0: All right, fair enough. You know, I can tell you that this is a two person conversation, me and you, and I can tell you that 50% of the people on this conversation did receive a subpoena from Thermapure because I received one. So, and I know uh, what it cost me in order to hire my attorney and begin assembling the uh, you know, the information, and I'm not even a drawing contract. Um, in most legal battles, bad feelings would remain after a settlement. You know, it appears that RIA and ThermaPure are pretty snugly. Uh, what's the story on that?
3: It, you know, I think from the outside looking in, you know, potentially we are. Um, potentially, you know, maybe even, you know, I've been questioned on, uh, you know, that I'm snuggly. I think... It, most people weren't involved in this as, as you know um, as the board of directors uh, the legal committee and myself i think this was not about this had to come down to not a fist fight it had to come down to what was best for the ria and its members and uh, in turn you know obviously from the other side they had to look at what was best for them this settlement uh, really drives a, a roadmap for you know our members to go about their day-to-day business, you know, doing uh, doing what they do. There's a lot of questions still out there, uh, and we are working hard. Um, as a matter of fact, I have a, a we formed a committee as soon as the uh, settlement was done to start working on our recommended practices for operating within this uh, agreement, um, which we will, you know provide a Thermapur just to take a look at, uh, because we think it's important to have, uh, you know, buy-in from all parties. Uh, we don't want any issues moving forward. Um, but I have, you know, resi- I've resided to the fact, I understand, I am, um, uh, and I believe that if you are going to do this over 105, you know, you are, you know... Potentially violating a patent, and to to you know take caution. And, um, uh, but there is a there is a way through our settlements for people to do just about everything they do um, in their day to day business, including using including using heat to uh, to operate without worrying about infringing on a patent. And if you are decide to sanitize with that, you know again we're we're recommending. Uh, that you contact ThermoPure. and uh, I understand that makes a lot of people upset, but uh, or maybe not a lot of people. I've, I've heard mixed feelings, but I think you really need to understand what the details of this settlement and how it allows you to operate before you, uh, you know, start to, you know, scream and yell at people.
0: You know, I think one of the things that you recommended is for people that are interested in, in a product to go to the manufacturer because the manufacturer is going to know the most. About their product, correct? I mean,
3: <laughs> agreed. I mean, I don't, uh, uh, You know, currently I don't, uh, uh, you know, heat anything over 105. I have a lot of friends that, you know, have heat units, and I think everybody was looking for, for clarity. And, and if you are doing it, well, you know, if you're over 105, maybe you're not violating. I don't know. Contact the, uh, contact the patent holder. They're going to be, you know, probably give you the best, uh, you know, recommended advice. And, um, in fact, uh, you know, I received an email the other day that, uh, um, you know, there may be some potential Cost savings from the licensing from Thermopure. There's a uh, RA deal that's coming out that you know was was what I looked at was pretty reasonable. Um, but again, I don't uh, I don't do that kind of work right now. But uh, you know, I think uh, as the anger goes away, and I think you know when you have a an opponent that you build up in your head and it becomes hate, um, I've explained to a lot of different people. Give us a chance to get all this information out read what's out there, and before you make your uh, final decision on whether we th- you think we won or not. And, you know, a lot of smart people, much smarter than I am, much smarter than I am, stated that this was a was a good thing uh, for our members.
0: You know, in your conversations with David Hedman, you know, we, we've we talked a lot today about money. We've talked about subpoenas, you know, maybe costing 20, $25,000. We've talked about uh, some RA members spending north of two and $300,000 defending themselves. Did In your conversation with David Hedman at any time, did he tell you how much he thinks these patents are worth?
3: No. No, I did not. I mean, uh, just like uh, if you've been involved in this, we've all heard, you know, rumors. Um, I think that um, David and Therlo, Pure believe, you know, and, and rightfully so, they have a current U.S. patent that, uh, you know, they have a valuable product. And um, I have stated over and over in my conversations uh, with them since the settlement is that if you have a valuable product, you need to uh, present it to the uh, RIA membership and, you know, show them the value. If you can show them the value, the people will come. But this settlement, no guarantee, is is going to say that um, everyone has to do this. I think that it's up to Thermopure to show and to take this time to allow some healing and put together a plan to you know to market this to uh, you know the RIA and in the, the entire industry because uh, um, if people are going to buy it, they're going to want to see you know how this is going to benefit them, and 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 a lot of that's with the bottom line. What kind of bottom line increase you're going to have.
0: I think that I think that's fair. Um, would you say that RIA members are actually in a box or somehow hog-tied by the settlement, or do you think that they have flexibility under the settlement?
3: No one is hog-tied by the settlement. Like, we, we, the RIA, you um, I state we, from the board of directors to the membership. Uh, it, We did not bind a member to do anything. We can't do that. I I cannot, you cannot, um, the board cannot bind any member to do anything one way or the other. What we offered them was a path to operate without fear. You know, a member could choose to do whatever they want to do. And, you know, frankly, that's up to them. But, you know, if they operate within our agreement, you know, the risk is uh, uh, has been uh, taken away. But if you decide to operate outside of that, you know, you're on your own. You know, I wish you the best of luck. You know, um, I would state you know, protect yourself and make sure you're, you know, talking to thermal pure or your attorney or something. But, you know, if you choose to violate, you know, that that's really up to you. About it. we have a safe harbor, as we're terming it, uh, with you know, four items that as long as you don't do these four items or you do these four items, um, uh, be, uh you're protected. It takes away all the issues of filtration and, um, you know, my, there's so many things it takes away that it's just very clear. I mean, it's, uh, um, I think that, and I'm very excited to see, you know, the committee's, you know, good practices document, because I think that'll offer even further clarity. But, you know, we're really excited about this. I think, uh, again, the when we started, it was about removing fear and providing clarity, and we've done that.
0: Can you uh, discuss the operating parameters? You said that there were four things. Uh, could you tell us what they are?
3: And I'm going to, without getting into the legalese, I'm going to read uh, um, from a letter I had sent to the uh, RA members um, You know, not too long ago. Um, the safe harbor, in essence, is, uh, you know, four items, uh, for protection. You know, do not advertise or make claims that you, uh, you, um, do structural sanitation by heat. Okay. So that means, uh, don't, uh, put on your website that you do heat sanitization. The second issue is, is that we were able to get, uh, um, uh, to maintain an archive, you know, job, job records, um, particularly on temperature, uh, for two years. And, and we thought that was a big win because currently I believe it's seven years that could be, you know, subpoenaed if somebody uh, uh, wanted to look at your records. But right now, RIA members, uh, uh, we were able to get that cut down to really only a two-year window. So if somebody was to be subpoenaed for some reason, it would only be a two-year, uh, two years worth of records you'd have to worry about. The
0: hey, third
3: issue... George, yeah, go ahead.
0: Uh, in terms of this two years, I was a little bit confused because I wasn't sure which way to take it. Uh, I guess one way to take it is to keep records, uh, temperature readings on all jobs, whether you use heat or not for two years, which could be a good idea because I think that you know from a liability standpoint and so on and so forth, that that would make sense. Or is it only on jobs where you're using heat to dry? I mean is there an answer there?
3: you know, as you stated, cliff uh you know you have your opinions on on what's jobs that should be done you know uh temperature seems like a basic reading that should be done on uh you know most drawing jobs, but I'm going to leave this one up to you know our best practices uh, or our recommended practices uh committee to come out with. Um, I haven't seen it. these guys are much smarter than I am. I think we have some of the best the best from all sides of the industry, both heat and uh um, you know, refrigerated and desiccant um, uh, drying on there. So I'm really gonna let that, I'm gonna let that sit for a little while and see what they come back with.
0: Okay, that's fair enough. What's the third uh, the third and fourth? We have don't advertise structural sanitization using heat. We talked about maintaining these temperature readings for a two year period. What are the other two?
3: Measure and record indoor ambient temperature when utilizing uh, heat generating equipment. And, uh, uh, for those, uh, just for, if you know, as clarity, you know, um, a lot of our equipment, you know, produces heat. So, you know, this is something that, uh, our best practices, our good practices committee is, uh, you know, working on and, uh, we're going to, you know, put our, You know how we see it needs to be done uh, from a from an operational standpoint, and hope to provide some clarity on that. You know exactly when and where and what. Um, So we're excited about that. the The fourth item is, and I think this is probably the biggest, is that don't mechanically, don't mechanically increase the indoor ambient air temperature over 105 degrees uh, within a defined structure. Um, There has been a lot of questions on this one and um you know the best practices committee is digging through everything um from prior from prior claims you know prior things from prior cases that have gone on with this um, structure has been defined and i just wanted to um read that here and closed structure um, means that any building or subpart of a building however small that is being treated a house one floor a room in a house part of a room um, So I think that uh, if you're looking at it that way, you know, restorers are, I I look at this as, you know, almost bringing the, um, you know, bringing power back to, you know, our members. You know, you need to define, you know, what what your structure is, what you are drawing, if that's... If, you know, you have three floors of a house that's wet or a building that's wet and you're drying in all those areas, you know, make sure you're not exceeding that 105. And that 105 needs to exceed it in all areas of that uh, because in order to achieve sanitization, which we term out, which we set the bar here at 105 in the settlement. Um, you have to you know, you have to be doing it through the whole structure. So you need to really, you know, know what you're doing, and you know how you are doing it. And this, uh, when we talk about bringing up the professionalism, I think that a lot of people don't think about that, that stuff. And um, you know, we are going to help do that through our uh, recommended
0: practices. Yes. All right. um, Let's see. Um, I'm pretty much done with the questions. I guess at this point, uh, is there anything that you would like to add to uh, today's discussion? Anything I I didn't ask? Any questions I didn't ask?
3: I, I just want everybody, again... Realize that, you know, I've come to a place in my mind about this settlement and about this company that I don't necessarily expect everybody to be at right now. I think there's probably, you know, people, you know, in this industry, and I'm not talking about RIA or uh, outside of it, I'm talking people within this industry that probably are in violation of this U.S. patent uh, on a daily basis. Um, and I believe there's people that are out there that, never are in violation of the CS patent. And I think that if you um, if you look at it from a practical standpoint and you look at it from an association standpoint, we did what we were set out to do. We provided clarity and, and protection. And I'm not saying you have to do it. You know, you can be a lone wolf if you want to, but those members and those individuals that uh, um, look at this and truly look at what we achieved, you know, I think, you know, a, they will be happy about it, um and I think that it should be exciting. I know that for the first time this winter, I will probably put my uh some of my uh you know small heating units back in use um if I'm trying to thaw out some pipes or something. I mean, I put them away for two years, and um, you know i it gives me a little bit more you know freedom and flexibility as far as the you know huggy you know, huggy, uh, you know, a relationship or, you know, a, uh, uh, you know, almost a honeymoon relationship with, uh, you know, David and Senator. You know, I am taking it that this is over. We're moving forward. And, um, you know, just like any supplier or anybody else, you know, we're going to give, you know, I'm going to give him just like anybody else the opportunity to see what they have. You know, he has one other little, the thing here is that he does have this valid patent that does affect a lot of things of what we do, and we will work closely together. And by working closely, I think we will provide more protection because we have a working relationship. It's not going to be an adversary relationship. Adversary relationships for us at this point in time are not a win-win, and it's time, at least for myself, I had to put that behind me and move on. Don't expect everybody to do the same thing at once, but uh, hopefully time and more information will at least help that. You know, would it be fair, you know, I, I think there's one thing that, that
0: that I would like to add is, is you know, in terms of the patents, I think, you know, it, it seems that uh, a lot of the foundation or the strength of these patents is the fact that it is vague, that it just, you know, that it doesn't specify. Uh, it just mentions raising temperature and so on and so forth that, uh, you, know, there, you know, no one had taken the temperature, there was no thermal and, and now there is one. So, uh, you know, I appreciate your coming on. I know that, uh, you know, it wasn't easy, and uh, I appreciate, you know, the honesty and you know, your ability to, uh, you know, take on these questions. Uh, before I go, I'd also like to thank this week's guest, Scott Stamper, my co-host, Radio Joe Hughes, our IAQ radio engineer, Jessica Lawson, our technical director, Dr. Dietrich Wow. But most importantly, I'd like to thank you, our growing audience, for IAQ Radio. Uh, IAQ Radio is going to be off, but we will return Friday, August 29th, with ASHRAE President Tom Phoenix and the new IAQA President Kent Lawhauser, and they're going to discuss the uh, ASHRAE merger. Until then, it's Z-Man signing off. Bye, and thank you for listening to IAQ Radio.